Well, good evening. As soon as my glasses adjust, I'll be able to see you. With all these lights on up here. But, I, you know, now that I'm in bifocals, they'll... I know. I don't look it, but I just turned 49. So, you know, the eyes start going and all that stuff. I'm Pastor Randy, and um, I'm the executive pastor at Rock Point Church, where Bill Bush is the lead pastor. A uh, couple of fans out there. Thank, thank you. Um, but, uh, yeah, Cornerstone, we're sister churches. Actually, we're kind of like a daughter church to Cornerstone in that respect as well. But we're all part of Vision Arizona and the church planting movement um, here in the state. And so, um, as you know, Pastor Lynn and his staff are at their uh, vision retreat. And so, asked if I'd come. And um, so, I spent all week digging in and studying and everything in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then walked in and Mike said, well, we didn't quite get there. But hey, that's all right, because we'll, we'll go where we all need to go, right? Um, a couple of announcements, though, so I don't forget, my, and Mike's not on my case. But um, next Tuesday night, the 10th, is the last The Mine uh, for this semester. And there's going to there's be a break for the summer. So um, there will be The Mine next Tuesday night, but it will be, Pastor Lynn will be back for that. And um, it will be the last one for a while for a summer break. All right, so get that in your calendars. The mine will resume on Tuesday night, August 23rd. All right, I know. It's kind of a long break. Tuesday, August 23rd. The fall semester will kick off, I guess. Um, is that how you guys do it here? So, um, so apparently, last Tuesday night, you got to the list of the spiritual gifts in chapter 12, and... Um, didn't finish it. Is that right? Um, so before we jump into chapter 13, what are your questions? I know some of you had some because some of you asked them as you went out last Tuesday night. But so what are some of those things in this particular? Uh, for example, I did listen to the podcast of last Tuesday and um, just want to make sure it was really clear about the three different lists of spiritual gifts in scripture. Are we all clear on that one? Yeah. Um, I know Pastor Lynn kind of combined two, and that's cool. Um, he can do that because he's your pastor and he's the boss. No, I'm kidding. Um, but um, how I see it is, um, and not to refute anything that, that, that Lynn stated, but um, you guys went through the list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 which someone did point out in a question as I was listening, that um, those are categorized or described as the manifestation of the Spirit gifts, right? Do we know what that means? Why does Paul call these the manifestations of the Spirit gifts in this list in 1 Corinthians 12? Anybody? Are we awake? Everybody got their coffee on their way in? I did. Because those are the gifts that when we use them, we could not do on our own. We would have to be, this, the Holy Spirit would have to be working in us to accomplish that, such as uh, healing and prophecy, things like that. Yeah. What does it mean when Paul says here, they're manifestations? Anyone want to take a stab at it? 
Is it ways you can see the Holy Spirit? Yeah, definitely. And um, what I believe that Paul, how he's describing these here, is that these are the gifts that the Holy Spirit can give when he wants to. He can give it for a moment. He could give it for a certain length of time and then take it away. He can use somebody in a particular situation, a particular moment, and then they won't have that gift again later. So they're manifestations. They're, they're, they're not the more uh, powerful gifts. They're all powerful. They're all from the Holy Spirit. But these are the ones that can come and go. Um, and the Holy Spirit will use them in any way he sees fit. Anybody ever experienced anything like that from this list? Anybody see it happen? Anyone want to share? Who said yes? No hand, but... Okay, go ahead. Which gift? I think I've seen Any of them. a lot of them. I've seen words of knowledge. I've seen healing, miraculous healing. I've mm-hmm. seen um, uh, healings that are creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, a limb grow. Mm-hmm. And and I that was blind from birth see, mm-hmm. um, but I think you're right. There are gifts that are not there at every moment of every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people with tremendous gifts of faith that can believe in um, almost supernaturally um, beyond what. They can see or hear, hear, feel, or touch um, um, yeah. beyond the norm. Yeah, I, I've seen though. I've, I've 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 had two occasions where, um, even before I was in the ministry, um, one I was in a church service one time, and uh, there were some. There was a couple. In fact, I was explaining this to Mike earlier. Uh, they were visiting from Egypt or somewhere. Did not understand English, didn't speak English, or anything like that. And the pastor was preaching, and a gentleman who just happened to be sitting next to them in the service began speaking a language, like, you know, the word, when we see that word tongues, um, the word is language, spoke a language he did not know. Nor did he know what he was saying, and he spoke perfect Egyptian. And, and, and interpreted exactly what the pastor was saying. I've seen that happen. I've also seen our youth pastor at Rock Point, our original youth pastor. Um, we were visiting a, a young man who had been in a really bad car accident. And he was up here at the hospital at Banner Desert and wasn't expected to live and was on a ventilator and, you know, all the machines and all of that stuff. And I watched, I watched Todd lay his hands on that boy and pray and watch him wake up and astounded the physicians and all the healthcare providers and everybody. I mean, he, so these are the... These are the manifestations of the spirit gifts. Because what I believe in, in scripture is these three lists, and you will see there, there are websites, there are books that talk about the spiritual gifts, and they just make a big, long laundry list of them. I believe the three lists, this one being the manifestation of the spirit, um, I think you, you referred last week to the list in Romans 12. Is that correct? Okay. Um, how did we describe those? Last Tuesday, the list in Romans 12. Let's wait for the, is there a mic? Someone say something? Was that uh, more personalities? Kind of, sort of. 
I like to call them the functional gifts. And you, you've may have, you've may have read that other places too. But I like to call these the functional gifts. This is the list in Romans 12 where Paul writes about um, about prophecy, about faith, about serving, about teaching. Um, uh, those with the gift of exhortation, those with uh, the gift of giving or generosity, and the gift, and those with the gift of mercy as the functional gifts. This is the list I believe that everybody who is a believer and who is filled with the Holy Spirit has at least one of these. You have a primary one. Many of you may have more than one. Um, and that's why I like to call them the functional gifts. I mean, Paul doesn't call them the functional gifts. Um, that's just something that I've, I've been taught and learned. Um, as you go through that list, if you look over in Romans 12, um, he talks about the prophet. Somebody with the, the functional gift of prophecy is one who what? Exhortation is a different gift. Oh, we have a question? Okay, go ahead. Um, is this list, and he listed some in Ephesians as well, are those exhaustive? Are those all the gifts? Yeah, we'll get to that. The, what I call the list in Ephesians 4 are the gifts of office or the leadership gifts. Those are the, the positions you might see in a church or in a ministry or in a body of Christ, and we'll get to those. Um, but here in Romans 12, the prophet... These are the truth tellers. These are the pe- my wife's a prophet. It's black and white. This is the truth. Um, most prophets are really short on mercy. Right? You're right. You're right. There's two basic kinds of people. There's the truth tellers and the grace givers. Right? The people with the gift of prophecy. They're the. Um, and I know Pastor Lynn last week. He kind of. Distinguish between the foretelling and the forthtelling, right? This is that gift of the forthtellers. Um, my wife is an apologist, and she studies the word, and she knows the word, and she will repeat it to you. And uh, if a situation comes up, the prophets are the one who's like, nope, God's word says this, and that's what you just need to go do, right? There's no gray. Amen. We got one amen, right? Some of you prophets out there? One, at least. The, the, the amen over here. Right. Okay. Um, what does he say next? According to proportion of his faith. If service in his serving. You talked a little bit about this last Tuesday. You know those people, they just love to serve. They are, you don't have to ask them to show up. They are there. They will, I, I think Lynn made a comment last week about, you know, uh, yeah, we have some garbage to pick up over here or whatever, but... The people with the gifts of... I have this gift. The gift of service. Um, they just want to serve. They, some, some of your Bibles might say the gift of helps. Some of you have that in your Bible. The gift of helps. These are the helpers. These are the servers. These are the behind-the-scenes people. These are the people that make stuff happen and you never see them. You never know their name. It, their, their name's never on the screen. Um, they would die before you brought them up on this stage. I mean, they just would not come up here. But they will serve. They will bake cookies. They will stuff flyers. They will fold bulletins. They will all those things. Right? Any, anybody with the gift of service in here? 
There's usually lots of people have that gift. You just want to help. You're the person that shows them and says, what do you want me to do? Just tell me what to do. It doesn't have to be anything, right? Just tell me what to do. All right. Um, he who teaches in his teaching. That's obvious. Those are the teachers. Um, and sometimes not necessarily the preachers or the evangelists, but the teachers. Um, School teachers, all kinds of teachers, Bible teachers, they just love to teach, they love to mentor, they love to see people grow, they love to pass on their knowledge, they love to, um, all of that. Um, any teachers in the house? Yeah, I'm one of those too. I'm up here teaching, right? Um, it's a manifestation. No. Um, for he who exhorts in his exhortation, what's Exhortation encouragement. These are the people that they'll send you cards. They will send you an email. They, they, they will say it to your face. They will compliment you. They will praise you. These are the, they just, they always know the right thing to say. They spot a person. Some, oftentimes those with the gift of mercy also have the gift of exhortation because they spot a need and they're right in there and they're encouraging and they're there for you and they're they're writing nice things to you on your Facebook. I mean, all that kind of stuff. They just encourage. And sometimes the encouragement is not even just, is not even words. These are the people that you will be in the hospital and you're waiting and waiting and waiting for your loved one to come out and they'll just sit there with you. You know, and later you'll thank them. You know, you were just there. You didn't have to say anything, but you were just there. Any, any encouragers in the house? Oh, awesome. Awesome. All right. Way well, cool. Um, he who gives with liberality. This is that gift of generosity. We're all called to be generous, right? We're all called to be generous. But these are the people that go above and beyond. If, if, if you need a dollar, they'll give you two. If you need, you know, and it's not even just money, but they're generous with their time, with their talent, um, with their treasure, they're just super generous. Give you the shirt off their back. Any, any, no generosity people in here? You're like, I'm not going to raise my hand. I'll, I'll raise my tithe. No. Um, okay. Yeah. He who leads with diligence, the gift of leadership. That's kind of an obvious one, right? These are the leaders. These are the when when the, when you pull a team together, they're the one that rise up and they just take charge and they go. These are the these are the these are the people that people will follow because they're just you know those sort of natural born leaders. You know some anybody in anybody in the house? All right, yeah. And so you you excel in your ministry, you excel in your job. You just when there's a, when there's something that needs to get done or an outreach project or whatever, they show up and they just take charge and recruit and. And make things happen. Those are the leaders. And the last one there, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The gift of mercy. My wife has none of this gift. And when she, if she listens to this on the podcast, I'm in trouble. So, um, but some of you exhorters will be there to encourage me. Okay. Um, any mercy people here? They will just... You mercy people, you will, you will just love on people, you will cry with people, you'll laugh with people, you, you're, 
you carry everybody else's burdens too. Right? Got an amen on that one too. Right? This is probably the one that needs the, the most stewardship because you will own too much. Right? I mean, that's the drawback of this gift. You will be... But you, your heart is so big, it just explodes out of your body. You just... Just so much mercy. And you just want to serve people and, and um, wrap your arms around them and all of that. So did we, we already did that, right? The mercy people? Okay, we identified you. Any questions about this list that I'm calling the functional gifts? The list that everybody has at least one of these. Some of you might have two or three of them. But usually, usually a believer will have one primary one. And then some of the others will be secondary. Anybody ever taken a spiritual gifts test and seen these show up, right? Again, I just caution you that some of those uh, websites and stuff out there that will do that, they'll make an exhaustive list and I don't think that's correct. But if those tests should identify one of these on this list for you. Okay. Any questions about that? The functional spiritual gifts. Any comments? Hey, now I can see you if I put my hand over my glasses like this. That one light right there. Yeah. Can these functional gifts also be a manifestation gift at some point? Like if you're not a natural born leader and then the situation arises and the Holy Spirit makes you the leader, can that be a manifestation, not necessarily a functional gift? I believe so. The Holy Spirit could do what he wants to do, right? I mean, he's he's God. So um, certainly. What's that? Microphone? Yeah. Yeah, my wife throws that one out there. Oh, oh I mean... Yeah, if he can make a jackass talk, he could, yeah, he could make you a leader, right? Sure. Yes. Wasn't there one more gift, the gift of evangelism? Did you see that in this list in Romans 12? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it was in the Romans 12. Did I miss it? No, it's in, it's, yeah, it's in the Ephesians list. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that one. We're all called to evangelize. Amen. We're all called to share our faith. We're all called to shine the light of Jesus. You know, he says, you'll know, you know, they'll know they're my disciples by their love. We're all called to do that. But when you, let's go there. When you go to the Ephesians list where um, the gift of evangelism shows up. And I think Pastor Lynn alluded to this a little bit last week, but that gift of evangelism these are the people. I have an uncle, Uncle Rex in Oklahoma. Uh, and my dad is this way too. My dad just turned 71 yesterday. I have the greatest dad on the planet and the greatest mom. But I'm only up here because of their legacy. But my dad and my Uncle Rex are two men in my life that you cannot not be around them and not hear about Jesus. You will. My uncle has cards he keeps in his wallet, and he and it has the whole, you know, I don't know, the Roman road. I mean, something on there, evangel. Like, do you know Jesus? He'll be in the supermarket. He could be at the gas station. He anywhere. You know Jesus? Can I can I tell you about anywhere? Um, a few years ago, actually, we came out here 
in, to Arizona from Southern California in the summer of 2001 to plant Rock Point Church. And we launched in February of 2002. And in February of 2003, one year later, my parents were in town for the celebration of our one-year anniversary of the church plant and all this kind of stuff. And it was a great weekend, and it happened to be, um, of course, since we, you know, the anniversary was February 10th, uh, February 14th is right around there, and they were staying for the week and everything. And my dad had to fly back on Sunday night because uh, my parents own a small grocery store in Stockton, California, where I'm from, born and raised. Anybody know where Stockton is? Oh, I am so sorry. Um, no, it's a great place to be from. Um, anyway, do you know their motto? I'm, I'm, I'm tangenting, but you know pastors do that. So Stockton's motto is someplace special. You know what's so special about it? Did you know that all of the police, sheriffs, narc, gang, all of those men and women from California, Nevada, and all the surrounding states train in Stockton? Yeah. Yeah. My wife, who's a registered nurse, used to work in the emergency room there, and Friday night was called the Gun and Knife Club. But um, anyway, Stockton, back on track. Um, so my dad flew home Saturday night. The rest of the family stayed. And on Monday morning, February 14th, 2003, uh, we got a phone call that my dad had been robbed at gunpoint and shot. And his work coat, his little, the young guy that worked for him was also shot. One of the, there were two robbers. One of them were killed as well. There was lots of gunfire. My dad was rushed to the hospital and um, wasn't expected to live. And da, da, da. So you can imagine all that. Gather everybody up, go to the airport, get my mom back home. In fact, I was driving my mom and my brothers, everybody that was in town, to the airport. I had a t-shirt on and shorts, and that was it, not even any shoes. And I thought I was just dropping them off at the airport. We run in there. Southwest was amazing. They rushed them right through. But on the way, my mom says, I need you to come with us. So we're driving, and I'm, they're buying a ticket on a, on a credit card. And anyway, I got on the plane. We got there. Um, long story short, my dad was in a coma for 10 weeks. He died three times, um, which the first time, you know, I told the Lord, you know, this is really going to suck, but this is going to hurt. But, um, and I tried to, you know, make a deal with God. Do you know how many more people he could lead to Christ if you just let him live? You know, all this guys. Um, and anyway, he woke up. And all of that. And from the time he woke up to the time he left the hospital, he led two surgeons and four nurses and, I don't know, the respiratory therapist. And you could not go in his room and not hear about Jesus. He has the gift of evangelism. That's those people. Any, you got any of those people in the house? Yeah. Right? You just, they're Jesus freaks, right? I mean, okay. Um, do, do we want to go to the rest of the Ephesians 4 list? Do we want to do that? Let's go through that one. Is that what we want to do? Okay. Um, okay. So turn over to Ephesians 4, where Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, starting in verse 11. This is what I call the gifts of office, the leadership gifts. The, um, you might typically see them as positions um, in a church or a ministry or an organization. And he gave some as apostles, which we already clarified, right? There aren't any more of those, right? Because they would have to be really old. Okay. Um, <clears throat> gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers 
for, and this is why I believe these are those, the, those gifts, those positions, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. You realize that's what your, your pastoral staff is here for, right? Not to do the ministry, but to equip you, right? To go do the ministry, right? Um, and so apostles, prophets, we talked about. Those are the truth tellers. Those are the, they're, they're, those are the, the people um, on stages like this every Sunday who are presenting the gospel um, and, 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 and spreading God's truth. Um, some as pastors. Who are the pastors? What gift is that? Yeah. Don't you know there's, those, there's some pastors who they just, they just want to shepherd the sheep, right? They're the ones that they will go do the hospital visits and they will, they'll do, you know, one-on-one counseling and they just have that, that pastor's heart. Like we have bug man at Rock Point. James Bug, B-U-G-G, call him Bug Man. He is a pastor. He is the, he just loves on people. He cares for them. He's at the hospital. You know, he, he, of all the pastors on our staff, he does the best funerals. (laughs) Like he's just, you know, that's those. Those are those kind, you know, and weddings too. Um, And teachers, like we talked about already. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, all of us, in using our gifts, are for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, right? Now, because these are gifts of office... And, um, you know, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher. Does that make me greater than you? The answer is no. Right. Right. That was the problem. Now, if we want to segue back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that was the problem in Corinth. I mean, this was a major city. This was a, a, a major trading city. At the time, but it was a wicked city, and and the and the church struggled because the people were just so bad. I mean, this was you know Las Vegas. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and and they struggled so hard, and, and and what why Paul had to write this letter to them was because you couldn't tell who were the non-believe, who were the church people, and who weren't. And so we, you know, he's writing this. Um, let's pick up on the list here. I think Lynn got through what gifts of healing to their affecting of miracles and to another prophecy. I'm in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10-ish, 11. Um, and to another distinguishing of spirits. What does that mean? What manifestation of the spirit gift is that? discernment yeah you know anybody who or or maybe it's you you just know you know something ain't right here right distinguishing between evil spirits versus the holy spirit um 
and another various kinds of tongues, which we talked about, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Are there any questions about the gift of tongues? Well, that was loaded, huh? I probably don't have any answers, but no, I'm just kidding. What's the question? What do I feel about it? Okay. I, I am so glad you asked. No, I'm just kidding. Um, again, this is what I believe, okay? When you look in the original language, and this is what I think confuses, and I think there are some um, churches that confuse this too, is that the word is languages, right? It all started on the day of Pentecost, right? You tracking with me, right? Day of Pentecost comes. People are there from hundreds of different nations speaking all kinds of different languages. And the Holy Spirit shows up and says, they all got to get this message. So I'm going to make it happen that they all understand. And so he gave them that gift. He gave people the gift of speaking a language you have no business knowing. I explained, I, I watched it happen. Okay, now... Um, is that still needed today very often? Probably not. We have interpreters. We have, I mean, you can click a website and change it to whatever language you need. I mean, okay, but God could use it if he wanted to. Now, don't confuse that gift of languages or speaking, because it also says in there, if someone does that, there must be an interpreter, right? If there wasn't an interpreter, what good is it? Right? Right? It wouldn't do any good. So those two gifts have to go together. Always. Now, I have been in church services where I have heard a lot of spiritual babble and things and other languages and words I don't know and all that kind of stuff. And people um, call that tongues. There are other There are religions that we know that teach that if you can't do that, you're not saved. Okay, I don't find that in here anywhere. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus, amen? Okay. Um, uh, And then there's the confusion with people will talk about a prayer language where you have... Anybody, that ever happened to anybody in here? You have been so deep in prayer and talking to God by yourself. And you hear things you've not heard before. Yeah, I believe that happens. Now, I, but that is between you and God. Okay. I, I don't believe God would cause any kind of chaos or confusion in a worship service of him. Was there an amen? Okay. I do that at Rock Point. Drives them crazy all the time. Sometimes I'll say something or I'll get up and make some generous living moment announcement and someone will say something and I'll go, is that all you got? And then, of course, they erupt, right? Okay. I'm not trying to pry it out of you. You know, whatever. Does that make sense? There is, it's languages, and then there was that there's a spiritual language that you may have, right? We read in scripture that spiritual language that you may have. We read in scripture that when you are so grieved or so distraught or so crying out to God and you don't have the words to say, what does the Holy Spirit do for us? He speaks it. 
Yeah, I believe that happens. I have a question. But yes. Um, okay, in in Acts, we know that in the second chapter of Acts, there is the um, what's known as the baptizing in fire or the Holy Spirit. And then, um, and and some people argue that you receive the Holy Spirit when you come to believe in Christ, yet you. We know that all the apostles believed in Christ before in the upper room, before they received this baptism, so to speak, of, of fire. And then you go to Acts 19, and it says, and I'll paraphrase, uh, uh, some of the uh, disciples say, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they say, well, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so he lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, that's in, in Acts 19, verse 1 through, through 6. So it is an event, as I see it, this baptism by fire. Do you agree? Um, I... Whew. <laughs> Aren't we out of time? <laughs> Come on, Mike. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I believe that is exactly what happened at that time. That was the birth of the church. That was the Holy Spirit showing up. There were many, you know, when, when Jesus said it, when he left, he said he's going to send a comforter. That's when he showed up. But I think today, right, we're in, like, we're, we're in the church age now. We're in it. And I believe the, the Holy Spirit indwells you at the moment of your salvation. Whether you speak something or not, I don't find that anywhere else. In any of Paul's teachings or anything Jesus said, that if you don't, if you don't see that evidence, then it didn't happen. Does that, did, did I answer the question? I didn't. I didn't oh. mean to imply that. I'm just saying it's an event. Yes. It is an event. It is an event. No I, matter how it's manifested, it yes. is an event. I agree. Okay. I'm one of those. Guys, I mean, I was. I w- I gave my life to Christ at seven years old. I can tell you exactly when it happened, where it happened, what happened. I remember it. I, I grew up in a little tiny, conservative, Baptist church. Is where my faith was molded. Women couldn't even wear pants. I mean, that's how conservative. Little conservative Baptist church. And I remember growing up, by the time I was a teenager, they could wear pants on Sunday night. Like, all you ladies are going, what, what? (laughs) But I'm one of those pastors that I believe, in fact, if there's anyone in this room right now, if you hear me, If you don't know that you know that you know that you are saved and that that Jesus, you've accepted him and the Holy, because I believe that when you're, if you are saved and the Holy Spirit indwells, he comes in you. He doesn't just sit. Now, I'm not judging anybody's salvation or anything like that, but I, I'm one of those who will preach you know, you better know that you know that you know, and there will be, speaking of evidence, there will be fruit, right? 
I mean, Jesus said it so many times in so many different ways. There will be fruit. You can't get saved. You can't give your life to Christ and your life doesn't look any different. Like, I was just going to say, could the languages be, because I know we were studying this in one of our other Bible studies, that when you're a Christian and you've accepted Christ, your language is almost different than a non-believer. So when they say they're speaking tongues, it could just be God's word is working through them and not so much that it's a different language per se as, you know, English or French or German, but it's, it's Christ's language because you have Christ in your heart. So when they accepted him and it's a baptism, of course they're going to speak differently because they have Christ in them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think in Acts, in Acts, when the church was birthed and Pentecost is happening, it was a whole, it was, it, I mean, the people that didn't know, they thought they were drunk. They thought they were having a party because they just didn't know. We know now, like we know. Um, yeah, I mean, I've not heard that theology or doctrine or thought, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't really speak to it. Was there another question? Yeah. We didn't really, we didn't get to 13, but well, I, I was Lynn's going to kill me. I, I was no. always told that that gift of speaking in tongues was just to edify and build up the church and kind of like um, just, you know, like exhortation would be or just, it was for the church. Good. It was for, yes. um, you know. Good comment. All the gifts are for the edification of the body. Your gift is not for the edification of you. And that's where I believe specifically that gift in a lot of hype and emotionalism in certain denominations and churches, it becomes an edification of the person speaking it. That is not of God. None of the gifts are for that. They're all for others. It's why, okay, one more question and then let's, Let's try to at least enter chapter 13. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just wondering, it could be possible perhaps that, you know, the people were filled, filled so much with the Holy Spirit that that was a gift given to them at the time. Sure. Sometimes when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, they weep mm-hmm. or they can't speak because mm-hmm. they're filled, so filled with it. So perhaps it was just that was their gift mm-hmm. and everybody else responds in a different manner. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Mm-hmm, maybe. You ever been in a moment, or maybe it's happened here at Cornerstone, or, you know, you're in the worship service, or something's happening, or maybe you've been involved in an in a outreach project, out, and you, you watch God work right in front of your eyes, and you're just wrecked. Like, you're just... I have had that happen to me so many times where, yeah, I'm speechless or I'm mumbling or I'm, sure, I get that. Who had a question? Yeah. Um, Actually, in chapter 14, it kind of outlines a little bit about how the tongues should be be practiced. What verse, yeah. 14. Well, it starts like in verse 3, and it goes on in the chapter. It talks about how if somebody speaks in tongues, there should be an interpreter. And mm-hmm. if, uh, if one or two people, two, three pe- two or three people at the most should be speaking in tongues. But I believe this is talking about in a congregational setting, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because uh, see, here, 
Yes, because you have to understand the context of Paul's letter. The Corinthian church, their worship services were a disaster. Because they, those church leaders got so caught up in their gift and their whatever and that the, the tongues and these others were higher gifts and more special gifts and the pride and all of that. And it got chaotic and it got confusing. And so he's saying, no, 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 no. There's only one author of confusion. Right? But my question is, though... Yeah. Um, if it's in your prayer life, like you mentioned earlier, I don't think there's anything wrong with you being able to speak in tongues if it's between you and God, right? Amen. Okay, and my other question is, why don't we practice the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why don't I practice the no, baptism? No, why don't we as a church? Why doesn't this church, for example, practice that? Because I think um, we Cornerstone, Rock, the, we're very Baptistic in nature and believe that baptism which comes from the Greek word baptizio, means immersion in water. And that's how Jesus was baptized, uh, had himself baptized. That's how the disciples, apostles baptized. And the, there's only one baptism. And the purpose of uh, what I believe is baptism is like your wedding ring. What does this ring on my finger say to you? To all you ladies who are looking up here. No, I'm just kidding. It says I'm married, right? It says I'm... It's a symbol. It's a symbol. It says I'm married. I believe the purpose of baptism and why it has to be immersion underwater. Every example in Scripture is underwater. That's how Jesus did it. Every, every representation of it is underwater. It's just a... If you pray and give your life to Christ and you get killed this next second, and you didn't get baptized, are you going to heaven? Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't save you. It's just, it's just you saying in front of everybody watching, I'm a believer. I gave my life to Christ. I'm buried with his you know, crucifixion, raised with his resurrection. I'm in. I'm his. The Holy Spirit happens when you give your life. There's not some... So when you say practice the baptism of, what does that look like? I don't know. It's an Acts, though, 2.38. And the other question is, why um, does that only apply to the first church? I'm just trying to get it clear in my mind. I'm not trying to be argumentative. But no, no, it, yeah. Does it only apply, did it, did it only apply to the first century church? And why is it not practiced nowadays? Well, I think so, because that's when the church was birthed. That's when the Holy Spirit was first showing up on the scene. There were, and like you pointed out, there were believers prior, right? There were Jesus followers prior to him coming on the scene. Uh, uh, yeah. Did I answer your question or did I avoid it? Yeah. Baptism is by immersion underwater. It's just a representation of a decision you made in front of witnesses. Just like you know, you could get married, you could go to the courthouse, you could grab a pastor, he could marry you, and you could say your vows, and then you put the rings on. But, or you, why you say them in front of witnesses? It's just you saying, I'm committing, I'm vowing, I'm in. To me, that, that's, that's what it is. Um, yeah. Getting back to tongues, I always heard that if you speak in tongues, 
It's a language between you and God that the devil can't interpret. Is that yes? Is that true or that, yes? You in your prayer closet? You betcha. That's what that's what he was saying and what she was saying. Yeah. Anybody ever experienced that in this room? You and God. Sure. Sure. About when I lived back in Florida, like um, what well, wouldn't be like a full Pentecostal church, but it would be like a church like this. But if there'd be people that would like be slain in the spirit and they'd be giggling, or people dancing in the spirit and people speaking tongues, like what would the difference be? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, okay. but I, they just want to make sure we get it for the yeah. podcast. Yeah, so what, what would that then sometimes they'd say, Well, um, if you didn't get the tongues that they were only really give to real unbelievers to bring them to Christ. Right. Have you heard of that before? Uh, who's heard of that before? Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not alone. No. Um, yeah. No, but I see people like down at the altar and people like week after week praying, like thinking they're going to go to hell. Because they get they saved every come. week. You know what I mean? Do we have to get saved every Sunday? Right. That's where I was referring to a little bit earlier where... I have been in churches where there's a lot of hype, a lot of emotionalism, a lot of distraction, a lot of chaos. Do we serve a God of chaos? Do we serve a God of confusion? No. Does God want us distracted? Ever? Like in church or not? No. All right. When they do that, oh yeah, there's the laughing and the monkey, ha ha, you know, all the, and the roaring lion people. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it all. Who does that edify? Yeah. First Church of Barnum and Bailey. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. And let me just add to that. Is any of that linked to my salvation? Good. All right. That's right. Because there's nothing I could do. Baptism under water doesn't save me. Speaking in tongues does not save me. Yeah, that tradition came a couple hundred years ago. But um, about that, here's what we say at Rock Point. Because we, we have lots of people that grew up in the Lutheran faith or the Presbyterian or whoever does all that. And they struggle with as adults now, getting baptized underwater because they feel like it's going to disrespect what their parents did for them. And my response to that is, you're not, what your parents did was get in front of the church, in front of all the witnesses and say, I'm committing to raise you the best I know how in a godly home and in the ways of Jesus. And so they did the christening. It was more like we call it a dedication. Right, And we don't even call it a baby dedication because you're not dedicating the baby. We dedicate the parents. right? And so really what it is to me is it, and what I say to people, it, it's completing the legacy that they started. Now do what Jesus said to do. Right? I tend to, and maybe this is my gift of mercy, okay? Okay. I tend to look at say, the Pentecostal form of worship, which you say is emotional. I prefer to describe it as demonstrative. It's their form of worship. Mm -hmm. 
and I can't make fun of it. Mm-hmm. It's something that it's their expression of the love of, toward their Savior, and mm-hmm. I cannot ridicule that. The other thing is these differences in worship are the things that divide denominations. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've said yourself, mm-hmm. I come from a Baptist background. Mm-hmm. Well, I come from a, you know, a quite different background. But I would be willing to bet that there are many people in this room even tonight that are not ashamed of their um, gift from Mm. God of being able to have a prayer language uh, Mm -hmm. where they speak to their God and Savior and they speak mysteries. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, years ago when... Billy Graham was on Johnny Carson's show and was being introduced Mm. uh, to Johnny Carson. And all Carson could say to him was, what's this deal about tongues? And even Billy Graham said, all I know is the Bible says that uh, tongues is speaking mysteries to God. And I choose to believe that it's out of the earshot of the devil. Mm -hmm. And, and... If Billy Graham thought that was a decent explanation, who am mm-hmm. I? But I, I yeah. just think that rather than cling to the things that divide, Amen. that we should cling to the bottom line of where we all agree. And I think we all agree that Jesus is Lord and how Amen. we worship him will edify him because it is personal. Um, yes. In relation to our relationship to him. Yes. I don't think I expressed that very well. but No, I, you, you know. did she express it well? Yeah. Yes, she did. Why didn't you just say that at the beginning and I wouldn't have to come up here? No. Uh, uh, yes. Um, about the demonstrative. If anybody goes to Rock Point service, I personally am a very demonstrative worshiper. People don't sit next to me because they get black eyes. I'm in the front row, and I will be moving. And w- In fact, I grew up in a little Baptist church, but I learned to worship at Assemblies of God Church because they know how to worship. Can I get a hallelujah? Not even amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Right. Right. The Baptists are known. They got the word, but the Assemblies of God, they ain't got the word. They got the word. Right. No, I, yeah, I totally get that. It's, to me, it gets to that hype emotionalism level when it beca- when you start to show off and you're causing distraction and chaos amongst and then you're you're interfering with someone else's worship like that's that's that point are you with me on that you see what i'm saying all right um okay so after this list of gifts in chapter 12 paul because if lynn finds out i didn't get through 13 <laughs> You will never see me up here again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, go study the rest of chapter 12. <laughs> because that's on tape. Um, Paul begins to now describe, after this list of gifts, how we're a body. And there's many parts. And we all play a part. And some are minor parts. And some are major parts. It has nothing to do with their value or their worth or their importance, but everybody has a part. Every one of you in this room, if you're part of this church, you have a part. And let me just say this. 
If you don't do your part, if you don't play your role, if you don't serve with your gift wherever it's supposed to be, then the body is dysfunctional, right? You know, at Rock Point, what, what, a community for us is getting a home group, getting a home group, getting a home group. If you don't, you might be interfering with someone else's spiritual growth because you're not there. Same for all of you. If you're not serving where you're supposed to serve in this ministry, you're not in the group you're supposed to be in. Or you, It's not what you might be missing, but it's, it, you, you're messing the body up. So that, that's his point there. And then, at the end of 12, it's 78. At the end of 12, he says, but there's a more excellent way. And all of chapter 13 is about this. The gifts are nothing without love. They're nothing. You can serve with the wrong motive. You could serve with the wrong purpose. You can use your gift to edify yourself. You might even serve with just wanting to serve somebody and use your gift and it can still, without love, it is garbage. It's rubbish. It's useless. Love See, it's not, a, it's not a gift issue, it's a heart issue. And if it's not out of love, don't do it. That's the whole point of the wedding chapter, right? Who had this read at their wedding? 1 Corinthians 13? Nobody? Okay, yeah. That's the whole point of chapter 13. You can, you can serve others with your gift without love. But you cannot love others and not serve with your gift. Right? This whole book is about two things, right? Love God, love others. Right? Purpose-driven life. The first words in the whole book are what? It's not about you. And Paul is trying to say to these Corinthians, and he's saying it to us today, you're all high and mighty and your gifts and you're serving and you might have a place this in the church and whatever. And yes, the Holy Spirit gave us all these gifts and, and, and some of these manifestations of spirit gifts. But he says, but without love, they're nothing. They're meaningless. Love is what makes our gifts useful. Love is what makes the gifts glorify God. And so the first three verses there of 13, he just says, without love, the gifts are nothing. And then he goes on in verses four through four through seven. He's describing what that love looks like. And real quick, right? There's different words for love, right? In the Bible, right? There's phileo. That's like brotherly love, like affection, like that's Philadelphia is named the city of brotherly love because from that same word. Then there's eros, which is the more erotic or sensual kind of love. But what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 13 is what? Agape. That abiding, unconditional love that we should, that, that God has for us, that we should have for God. It's the only way we can love others is because he's loved us. It's that kind of love. And then he just describes it, right? It's kind and it's patient and it's, it's, it's long suffering and it, it's almost, it doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. All he describes it all. And then he gets to the end and I got to make this point. Cause when I was, when I studied chapter 13 all week, <laughs> this was really cool. 
Can I, Mike? We, are we good? Okay. Why at the end of 13 does Paul say, but faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love? Why? Why is love the greatest? Well, faith, hope, and love are all spiritual realities. They're all graces of God. Why is love the greatest? Where's the microphones? Because we've got to capture this. No microphones. Okay, real quick. What does he mean when he says love never fails? Exactly. Faith, when we're face to face with Jesus, do we need any more faith? We're looking at him, right? Do we need any more hope? It's fulfilled. It's complete. Love is the only one that we will do for eternity. So it's the greatest. Let's pray. Father, thank you. God, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to be here and um, be part of our sister church. Lord, thank you for these people that, that um, Lord, they make it a priority to come here every Tuesday night to the mine because they want to dig deep in your word, Lord, and, and uh, they want to understand it. And, um, but God, I pray that this is not about more information. But Lord, as we walk out these doors, I pray it's about transformation. And so, Lord, thank you for the gifts you've given us. I pray that we would each do our part. Lord, there may be some in the room who they don't even know what their gift is. Lord, I pray that they would begin to pray and ask you about that or or ask others about that. Lord, I pray that um, some of them know their gift, God, but they're not doing their part in the body and the body's limping around. And so... Um, Lord, I pray that, they, that you would have encouraged them tonight to to jump in and, um, and be their part. And so, um, Lord, thank you. Lord God, thank you that your word, Father, it is so alive and so piercing and such a mirror for us at times. So, um, Lord, I pray for each of us that there was something tonight that we can go and apply when we leave here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.